Welcome to the Web 2.0 Show with your hosts, Josh Owens and Chris Saylor. We're a show about the new web, the latest thoughts and technology behind internet development and content delivery. Welcome to episode 10. We have Dan Cedarholm with us. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Dan, where you're from, uh, some of the work you've done in the past, stuff like that. Sure, sure. First of all, thanks for having me. I am Dan, and I, uh, I'm currently living in, in Salem, Massachusetts, and having grown up in New England my whole life, pretty much. So I was born in Massachusetts and grew up in a little town called White River Junction in Vermont um, until I was about 15 when my family moved to the Boston area. I've been in the Boston area for since then, actually. And now I'm, I'm in Salem with uh, my wife, Carrie, and my newborn son jack and uh we're trying to get through this this winter like we always do <laughs> and I, I run a site called simple bits which is really sort of my my one man show slash uh web design studio slash slash everything at this point where uh i've just i've been doing web design work for clients and um for about the past two years and uh it's been going well so far been working on probably some some of the more well-known sites would be something like Odeo or Rolio is another one. Only sites ending with O, apparently. <laughs> um, that's, that's what I'm trying to stick to. <laughs> Throughout that, uh, it's sort of been heavy on the, the web standards, CSS, um, semantic markup, end of things, and really sort of got behind that movement, and that's carried through to the, to the client work I've been doing recently. Um, you've done quite a bit of design work for like uh, Web 2.0 projects, such as Odeo and Microformats. Um, are there any other projects you've worked on? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of interesting that that uh, that a lot of those projects, you know, at the time when they when they started, um, I don't I don't think they were really considered Web 2.0, and that and that sort of term has has sort of grown um, after those projects were done. And it's kind of funny how. A lot of the projects that have come out recently that I've been working on have been considered as part of that that genre, I guess you'd call it. <clears throat> so it's been it's been good. I mean, I think I have I have sort of mixed feelings about the the term Web two point I think it, it in a lot of ways it's positive because it's all about trend. Well, I should say trendy technologies, but they're trendy for a reason because uh, people are using them and and they're, and they're great. And there's a reason why they're using them. It, the, the flip side of it, I think, is clients, and I, I've sort of been seeing this a little bit. Clients coming to me saying, "Yeah, we want to create this site. It's it's got to have you know, Ruby on Rails. It's got to have Ajax. It's got to have this." And, and that sort of comes up before the, you know what does the site do and what, what what's the purpose of the site. So with microformats and Odeo and Rolio, those have sort of been, I guess, put into the Web 2.0 sphere or whatever you call it. <laughs> And I think for for good reason. I think they 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 sort of all have good purpose and a good um, a good solid uh, you know goal. But as far as uh, other other client work, I mean, those are sort of sites that I I'm sort of proud of the work that I put into it. And uh, very cool. Which um, I, I guess out of all those projects, are there any that stick out in your mind and and why? Yeah, I think um, probably. Odeo would certainly stick out in my mind in terms of, of just being a, a really a really cool idea. I really sort of and being pink <laughs> and being pink. <laughs> yeah, pink is absolutely uh, is the new pink, I guess. Um, 
Yeah, no, pink is great. And actually, I, I, I can't take any credit for the pink because the, uh, the audio logo was, was designed, you know, right before I was involved in the first beginning to um, set up the site. So pink was always there, and I just sort of went <laughs> – I maybe used pink too much, but I thought it was, I thought it was bold and, and different and, and kind of neat. So, so audio would definitely stand out in terms of it just being a great site. I really love what they're doing. Now, and I love the way they've sort of shifted their focus along with what's happening with podcasting and, you know, Apple's uh, sort of embracing of it and adding it to iTunes. And, and so they've sort of shifted their they sort of shifted their focus into this is just a cool site where you can you can easily record audio and share it with, with friends. And they've sort of focused on that aspect of it, which I think they do really well. And I think the recording tools are, are pretty awesome, too. So... That one would certainly stick out in my mind, probably more so than, than the others. But, the, you know, microformats and Rolio were certainly yeah, fun to work on as well in, in their own yeah. right. You were also part of a pretty hefty team as far as, I guess, heavy hitters that did some uh, blogger templates for blogger.com. Right, right, yep. You yeah. did, like, two templates? Yeah, that, that was a great that was a great project and set up by Douglas Bowman, the Stop Design. He... He sort of gathered some some great designers together to make Blogger templates, um, which was a, which is a fantastic idea. It was part of his redesign of Blogger, which is uh, which is quite excellent. And his great idea was sort of uh, why don't we get some other CSS designers into the mix and see what they can do and, and create a couple templates. And these templates would be free for Blogger users. So right off the bat, they can choose something that's, you know, semantic markup, CSS-based, but also visually compelling. And I think I think it was a great it was a great move by him. And it was also great for, for the designer. I know I've gotten a lot of a lot of uh, referral work just from the Blogger template alone. I was getting emails from people, hey, you did the, you know, the Tic Tac template, why can you do this for me? And so that was a, that was a great... A great thing to be involved in. And I certainly have uh, Doug to thank for that. So, what sort of tools do you utilize to make a design, and then what process do you use to convert it to an actual XHTML CSS setup? Tools, yeah. I use pretty much strictly Photoshop and and BB Edit, and and actually a, a tall glass of wine as well. But, uh, <laughs> that's extremely important. But I think Photoshop is something I've always sort of played around with for years, and I don't have any formal training with it, but it's just one of those things that, you know, the more you use it, the more you get used to it. And so I use a combination of, uh, when I initially sketch something out, I, I would uh, I would sketch it in Photoshop, making the broad strokes there as far as general layout, maybe some color, location of elements, that kind of thing. And then I might use sort of a, a modular CSS, like a really basic CSS to, to create uh, different modules of the page. And then I might take a screen grab of that little section. So I'm not really designing the whole page of CSS, but I'm, I'm sort of, you know, doing part of it and then grabbing a screen grab of that in the browser and bringing it back into Photoshop um, to build out a, a comp that I would show a client. Um, wow. So that saves me saves me from building the whole comp in CSS, which I wouldn't want to do, obviously, because a lot of times that's before they've signed off on something. But it, it does allow me to sort of play with CSS in a way where I would I would know that something's possible or too hard or it's going to be too buggy and or whatever. So it, it, <laughs> so it's a good it's a good way to um, sort of test the waters with things and and then bring them back into a comp that you're going to. 
present to a client. I've had good luck with it. It, it, it saves a little time. It, it can be, it, depending on how much you do um, with CSS, it's obviously going to take shorter or longer. But So, yeah, and basically taking the comp to XHTML and CSS, that's just just uh, strictly cutting up Photoshop and, and using BBEdit to do the uh, to do the marketing. I noticed you mentioned um, you know bugs in IE, and I know we're actually struggling yeah. right now in our design. It's, it's a yeah, pain. yeah, it is. I mean, it, it's, <laughs> it's horrible. Uh, it's a, it never is. It sort of never ends. It's it's one of those um, ugly realities of of building a, a site with CSS. I think the good thing is the more the more you the more you build CSS. Um, Designs. The more you sort of you begin to see patterns and say, "Oh, you know, I've been running into that bug, you know, before." And, and sort of once you once you know how to solve it, um, it becomes easier the next time. Yeah, once you learn the hacks, <laughs> exactly. Work out all, you know, find the hacks. You know, go to positionisanything.net and <laughs> and le- yes. learn about the, the three pixel jog bug and the the guillotine bug and that kind of thing. And, and once you once you uh, do it enough times, you, you you get to know you get to know like like a family member that you don't really like but have to deal with. I.e., you know that that's basically what it is. <laughs> Good analogy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so where where do you get your inspiration for your designs and your various user interfaces? Yeah, inspiration. I you know that's a tough one. I, I'd say it comes just about everywhere. I uh, I could I could say. That I, I I don't get it from anywhere on the web, but that I'd be certainly lying because I I think the web is the medium that we're dealing with, and and I'm always inspired by website designs that that you know are exciting and compelling. But also I think early on, before the web, uh, for me it was it was it was music packaging, so some um, CD covers and seven inch covers and and that type of thing, and that, I think that sort of got me into design in the first place. Uh, before I knew what the web was, or before you know the web was even around at that point. So certainly, music from a music angle, I'm, I'm inspired. But also, any any packaging design is is um, sort of interesting to me. You know, again, the web. I mean, there's plenty of inspiration on the web. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I would name specifics, but it'd be the usual the usual suspects that everyone else is sort of is sort of looking at. Now, many of you consider our, many people would consider you an expert in the design field. Um, what have you studied and learned to, to get to this point? Yeah, I mean that's the, the the big secret is out in that I, I don't I don't have any formal design training, and I don't I don't have any formal training in really anything. To be honest, <laughs> well, I mean I shouldn't say that. I I I did go to college for one year. Emerson and, and sort of dropped out, and that was um, for uh, audio engineering. Oh, wow. I actually dropped out to go to a school that was specifically for music recording. It was just a one-year thing. And I did that, and then you know, thinking that I was going to be a, a recording engineer, and after a few interning escapades, I realized that the hours were terrible, and it just wasn't something I wanted to make a career out of. So, yeah, I can sympathize <laughs> with uh, oh, editing oh, really? the podcast. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> Exactly. I know, but it's strange. I haven't really fully delved into uh, podcasting full on, but that, maybe that it just brings back bad memories of, uh, of the audio engineering days. But so yeah, so I haven't, you know, from from a from a formal training thing, I, I don't have any design training. It's more just sort of uh, what I've picked up over the years and playing around with, you know, with the computer early on and, and um, 
having Photoshop early on and uh, and just uh, you know being inspired by what I saw and 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 that's that's pretty much the way it happened. I mean, it it, um, it sort of goes the same way. I used to used to play music a lot more than I do now. Anyway, you know, for a while I was thinking I'd go to music school after high school and realize I didn't really want I didn't want to have too much knowledge about music. I just wanted it to be sort of this you know untrained thing that I that uh, it was more emotional than scientific. So that might be the same way with with design, um, where I you know I, I wouldn't really want to go to design school per se. I just sort of I just wanted to give it a stab and see what stuck. There seems to be a theme developing. I don't know if you listen to the Jason Fried podcast, but he actually has he's a web designer with no formal training in design, and actually his oh, okay. two his Good. two his two his two other designers actually have no other you know formal have no formal training in design either. Uh. <laughs> See, there's the secret right there. <laughs> Drop out of school, <laughs> maybe drink some wine, and then you're all set. That's it. <laughs> That's cool. We, I, I didn't know. I mean, I'm a big fan, obviously, of the of the thirty seven signals and, and what they're doing. So that's good to hear. <laughs> yeah. Not that going to not 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 that going to school is a bad thing. Though. I mean, it's certainly. Uh, I, I mean, th- there's a there's a lot that I wish I knew um, specifically about. Um, well, probably tools like using Photoshop or Illustrator um, in in sort of a workflow type thing. I, I, I mean, I, I think that would certainly benefit me. It would totally benefit me. It would probably save me a lot of time. But but as far as the emotional aspect of design, I don't know if you can really teach that or learn that in the classroom. So yeah, Jason yeah. mentioned some things like learning typography mm-hmm. yeah, if you get a chance to yep yeah absolutely yeah that's something i'm trying to trying to read up on more now is that something i didn't that would be something would be great to learn in a classroom and, and i wish i had so if you're still in school take a typography class yeah. <laughs> cool <laughs> do you think uh xhtml and css were kind of a kickstart to the whole web 2.0 shift uh that's an interesting question. I I think it. I mean, timing wise, it certainly seems like it was. I mean, if it wasn't the kick, I think it would certainly be a big part of it. People under, start to understand the benefits of of uh, XHTML and CSS, and how it's uh, you know not only a benefit for the business, but for the user from a maintenance standpoint, for um, you know speed, all the, all those things that we know. But I think it has helped. It's certainly an integral part of of sort of what is the Web 2.0 movement, and and I think it probably wouldn't be. Yeah, so I, th- I would I would answer yes to that. <laughs> okay, here's another one. Yeah, when I do web design work, I tend to gravitate towards certain colors, shapes, stuff like that. Mm. How do you avoid that trap and keep your work fresh? I know yeah. we were talking about ODO and pink before. Right, right, right. Yeah, which I can't. Again, I can't take credit for, but that's a that's an interesting question too. How do you keep it fresh? I mean. That's tough. It's tough because you you don't want to you don't want to purposely do something completely different just for the sake of doing something different. And and it's tough from a from a sort of design shop angle because a lot of times a lot of the clients that come to to me sort of are basing that off of other work I've done and, and they want something they they see something that they they can relate to their project and they're not necessarily looking for like the next greatest design thing. They're looking for a certain feeling that something that uh, I've done or someone else has done or whatever. So to keep it fresh, I mean, it's, that's tough. And I don't know if I have, <laughs> so, maybe I haven't, maybe I'm running out of, uh, of ideas. I don't know. We'll have to, we'll have to wait and see, but you know, I don't have, I wish I had some, some awesome uh, secret that, that, you know, I'd go out and, 
build a snowman or something, and then everything's awesome. You know, the design is great after that. But I think, yeah, I, I don't, no big secrets. I think uh, just, you know, trying trying new things. If it's if you try something that's just so abstract and weird just to be different, then that's probably not such a good thing. But again, I, maybe a glass of wine would help. <laughs> <laughs> what about when you, I guess one of the things I have a lot of problem with is uh, coming up with color schemes mm. themselves. Yeah. And I noticed that, you know, obviously you went with the bold move with the pink yep. on Odeo, but you still found colors that worked in with it. Right, right. And you've done the same with microformats or Rolio. Yeah, the colors, you know, to be quite honest, I, I, I think I struggle the most with color and choosing colors. And I don't know if that's, you know, it goes back to not having a... a formal design training or, or I don't know but I don't even know if I'm sure that, that color is part of that but a part of a curriculum but I, I think I, I really do struggle with the most with color and choosing palettes and you know there, there there are a lot of sites out there that sort of like color harmonizer and I'm trying to think of the names of them but um, that sort of supposedly help you come up with color palettes and I haven't had good luck with them really but it's just I think it's just more like a just trying a bunch of different things and seeing what sticks and a lot of times color has been something that the client has helped me out with in terms of well especially if there's a logo already designed and they've already sort of had this branding in place where the color is a big part of it and that makes it a little bit easier but but just you know trying the paint bucket constantly trying new combinations and you know that that's that's probably where I spend the most time quite honestly on a design is, is the color it's just really really it's so emotional too i was just working on a project where i we literally spent you know a week <laughs> talking about color it was terrible the, the it was sort of a committee of of people trying to to nail down what color palette they wanted to use and and everybody has an opinion about color i think more so than than anything else and, that looks like pea soup, and that's terrible. Or this reminds me of this rug I had that I—it's terrible, and my ex-girlfriend had or something. So people have like a really emotional attachment to color. I've, I've found it always is the hardest part. It really is, and keep trying different things, and eventually I'll find something that's—it's tough. Yeah, I agree. I have a lot of problem with color as well. I mean, I've studied some yeah. color theory articles on the web, and mm-hmm. it—and it, it seems—they make it seem simple. It's like, all right, you know. Here you're going to do, a, you know, a triadic arrangement, and you know, <laughs> right, you, right. you start off with this color, and then you do, you choose these other colors based on that, and you think it's going to come together, and it it's really just more of a feeling than it is any sort of math. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it is. It's a feeling. It's a really, people really have a an attachment to certain colors or a real um, repulsion to some colors. And if you're dealing with a client, this isn't your own project, and you really you're forced to deal with that. And you're forced to kind of explain, well, you're always forced to explain where you're coming from as a designer, but if someone has a real repulsion to some some color or a real desire for a certain color, it, may, it can make it really difficult for, for the designer, unless they trust your instinct, and that's the ideal situation, but that's not always the case. Yeah, I see some color schemes, and I have a, a lot of respect for people who come up with really killer color schemes. That's one of the first things I notice about good design, I think, is just the color. And it, it seems so simple. I mean, there's, you know, there's only so many colors, but they're the combinations. And that's really the instant feedback I get from a design. It's, wow, like, how do they, you know, how do they come up with that? Why do they choose this with this? And it's exactly. just, uh, there could be a lot more written, I think, on the web about color. Yeah. So if any color experts are out there, uh, please grace us with some articles. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Start writing. Definitely. So um, 
kind of shift topics a little bit again. Odeo yeah. recently, uh, Odeo recently redesigned its homepage. Um, were you involved in that? And if you were, how did that come about? Yeah, I was. Uh, I was involved uh, very minimally in that, actually. I mean, it's sort of the Odeo guys came back and and said, yeah, we really want to simplify the um, the homepage quite a bit, and sort of their shift in focus was related to that. And that that was really more of a of a comp that as sort of an idea that they had, and and they wanted to integrate the the bird, the audio bird, which I think is pretty cool. I know maybe not everyone does, but I think it's pretty awesome. And did you so, develop the bird? No, no, I, I, I didn't. That was an artist's name. Well, I don't know his last I forget his last name now. It's Phil. Good job, Phil, with the bird. So coming back to me, and I sort of collaborated on the design and did the icons and uh, did the, you know, the code, the CSS for it, and then they, they've sort of taken it from there. I have mixed feelings. I sort of miss some of the aspects of the old, Homepage, but I think their new their new focus on you know sharing and recording audio right from the start is pretty great. I definitely like that design. It's very inspiring for um, for us as well. You know, we're doing a, a design for our hosting business, and you can go to a lot of hosting websites, and they're very hard to navigate. There's a lot of information there, yeah, and really, absolutely. it's like you know, I want to host a website. How do I do that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That. That's what. Yeah, that's why people would come there, right? I mean, so just give them that, and that's it. I, I'm all for the simplicity, and we come back to 37 signals, but the, the less is more thing. I mean, that, that's just clarity, and and that's what the web, the attention span of the web is. So it can be minute for that type of, of thing. I mean, if you're trying to introduce a subject to someone, just do it, boom, quickly, and that's it. So. Yeah, I saw another yet another article on um, the attention span of the average web user, and I forget what it was. Something really short, like three seconds. You have like three seconds to capture them. Three three seconds. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look at that. <laughs> nah, dude, it was shorter than that. It was like one twentieth of a second. <laughs> Is that what it was? Wow. Yeah. Oh my god. That's yeah. yeah. I don't know if I can click that fast, but it's, yeah, I believe it. I mean, the web is still a medium that we're sort of learning about and discovering how people are using it. I know myself, I, my attention span is probably about one twentieth a second, so I would believe it. <laughs> yeah, I go to a website and I make a snap judgment right away whether or not I'm going to stay there and, and do business there or, or read it or whatnot. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Me too. I mean, if it's pea soup green, I leave, you know. <laughs> Back to color again. So, yep. <laughs> was browsing around the other night trying to figure out how to cut up a Photoshop file to uh, get started on the actual CSS layout for the uh, Steel Pixel website that I'm working on. Yeah. I actually came across a post that you had up on your blog where you were asking, you know, how to change a uh, background color. And uh, I guess that ended up turning into your icon service, uh, the Chameleon service. Oh, right, right, yep. Yeah, uh, I guess just tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, this was uh, an icon set that I set up several months ago called Chameleon. And the idea of it was, you know, I'm selling this stock icon set, but wouldn't it be nice if uh, we let the user choose the color of the icons? The icons are designed in such a way that that's possible where... It's really just one. If there are actually two color icons, white and then a, another color. Uh, yeah, I, I actually put, um, I posted about this uh, on Simple Bits, and I was really asking for advice on technique, how I would do this in terms of an automatic engine where someone can come in and, and enter like a hex code for the color um, to match their site, whatever their, their site is, um, and then be able to buy the icons immediately. I actually did get a couple responses from that about, 
how to do this technically, and, and uh, a kind Norwegian developer actually um, wrote out this little Perl script. I mean, it's, it's amazing how simple it was, too, that would take a, a master set of the icons, throw the hex color on them, you know, zip them up, and then have them be able to be downloaded right away. And it, it's amazing. The response has been great. I mean, they've really been been selling amazingly well, and more so than than some of the other icon sets that have that have done. And I think the fun thing about these is that they're so sm- they're they're sixteen by sixteen, which is sort of a standard small size. But being two colors, the you're really constrained into into uh, the number of pixels you have to to convey a certain action, or you know, for each icon. And that was fun to to have, to have those constraints and. I, again, I think it's I, I love having constraints within design, and, and maybe that's partly uh, the sort of not wanting formal training in, in music or design. I sort of I don't want to really know too much. I kind of just want to uh, have a certain number of tasks in front of me so I can do them. That was sort of the way this uh, specific uh, icon set came about. So it's been fun. I mean, it, it, it's the response has been great. Like I said. And, uh, it has it sort of uh, puts other ideas um, in at play in terms of what else can we do with being able to offer color and other icon sets and buttons and other UI elements that would be it would be fun to be able to offer uh, someone to be able to customize them with color. And I think also <laughs> kind of funny we mentioned that I have the hardest time with color in, in this sort of uh, this allowed me to, to build a set where I didn't have to worry about color <laughs> and, and just let the user do it. Very cool. We come to that point in the show where I always ask, you know, is there any kind of super secret projects that you're working on that you just want to tell everyone about right here on the podcast? Yeah, right. Uh, I wish I could. There, there's uh, a couple things that, that are sort of that I'm working on right now that I wish I could uh, I could talk about. Um, there are a couple personal projects that, that – um, that have been pretty exciting. Um, I can just say that that they'll be sort of announced shortly, but unfortunately, no big, no huge announcement here. But lots of things to uh, to talk about later. You know, it's fun. It's a, it's an interesting time. It's a fun time for the web and, and design and standards and all that. And it, they sort of how it all sort of comes together. Where people, I think, now are, are starting to to build sites that do cool things. You know, rather rather than worrying about completely worrying about how it was built or how it wasn't built. It's more, what does the site do and, what, and, and what's the function and what's the use um, and how is it all put together? So I'm anxious to sort of reveal some things, but uh, I have to hold off for now. <laughs> <laughs> cool. We'll have to keep in touch. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Um, are there any tips that you would give anyone that was looking to get started in web design, UI design, icon creation? Yeah, I, I think... Getting started in, in web design, just the, I think the best way, I mean, the, the way I, I learned best was just by doing, and uh, I'm a big proponent of just learning by doing. So taking existing layouts and playing with them, and that, that, was, that seemed to work for me. Icon creation, that, that's an interesting question because I, I don't, there's not a heck of a lot of, well, at least I haven't found a lot of good tutorials on, on creating icons or books on icons or if there is, please 
let me know. But that that's something to, to sort of explore. And I, I think I, I sort of consider myself an icon hack in some ways. So I, I hope that maybe someone that's more talented or more focused on icons in general would, would it would be great to have a nice solid book written in the way that sort of web design tutorials are for icons um so there's an idea for somebody but but yeah again learn by you know learn by doing and subscribe <laughs> to uh to all all the css sites and uh view source <laughs> So actually, what are some of the sites that you actually uh, subscribe to and read? Uh, wow, there's so many, there's so many to name. Uh, I could. <laughs> well, if you wanted, you can actually just. Uh, if you wanted, you could actually just shoot over, um, you know, just a few of the top ones that you think are really good, and we'll actually yeah. leave those in for our listeners. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's. Uh, well, I could name some of the some of the people that I admire from the design world. People like um, John Hicks, uh, Hicks Design. Uh, you know, Dave Shea, Doug Bowman, Jeremy Keith from the JavaScript side, Cameron Mall. <laughs> now I'm sort of uh, looking at my, my subscriptions here just to <laughs> refresh my memory. But, it, you know, like, there's these are people that, that are sort of well-known that, that people might already know of. But, you know, people like Dave Shea and, um, you know, 456 Berea Street is is a is a definitely a good one for for people that are learning standards based design. Of course, a list apart you can't you, you have to mention that one. Oh um, uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Andy Clark. I could go on, and now I'm now I'm fearing that I'm I'm leaving people out. But <laughs> <laughs> but but those are those are a good start. And actually, any of those would would lead you to other sites that I haven't mentioned that that are equally cool and equally useful. There's just there's a ton of information and. There can be uh, that can be overwhelming too, but um, there's a lot a lot of great a lot of great uh, designers out there doing great things and sharing how they're working, and that's what's great about the the web design community is that people are people are wanting to share their process, and and it's great. And we can learn just by reading you know sites, and it's it's fantastic. Awesome! I think that about wraps it up. Fantastic! I just want to thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, yeah, thanks, thanks very for much, being guys. On. It's, it's uh, been a pleasure to talk with you. This has been a Steel Pixel production. For more information about Steel Pixel, you can check out steelpixel.com. Or for more information about the show, feel free to check out web20show.com. That's W-E-B-2-0-S-H-O-W.com.